Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to another episode of Dishes and Dimes, brought to you by Basketball News. We are officially calling this the last episode before the 2020-2021 NBA season begins because both Kelsey and I can't remember what episode we're on. Um, <laughs> but I'm Katie Heidel, and as I mentioned, I am joined today by Kelsey O'Brien. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, uh, as a little, a little like um, spoiler alert in our intro is that you know I can't I can't remember what what day it is. Time is like both melting and speeding up towards the end of the year, um, and I'm having some difficulties remembering that the NBA season starts officially in two days. <laughs> yeah, I said I'm good, but I guess when I think about it, that's actually kind of a lie because I'm a little bit sad about some of the off season. Uh, Things that happen, but we'll get into that in a minute. We will get into that in a minute. Um, but we can start with the headlines because a lot, well, I guess a lot, like a fair bit has happened, I think, since our last episode and in this last week of preseason. But I also think as we're finding, which we'll get to with some of this news, is that uh, free agency just exists whenever it wants to now, whether you want to call that free agency or just like trades uh, superstars demanding trades, not getting trades. It's just like there's no um, structure to anything anymore, which doesn't really help us in the vacuous feeling of this year. But um, let's start with some positive news. I mean, maybe not positive news to Raptors fans, but I feel very happy for him. But Giannis got his extension. So the Supermax. Um, the biggest Supermax, isn't it? it? It is. Yeah, the biggest Supermax for I think just one of the biggest, nicest, nice boys out there in the NBA. <laughs> um, yes. I know, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a bummer for Raptors fans, but I also feel like you can't, you can't not be so happy for him. No, you can't. I mean, he worked hard to deserve it. He was always, like you said, he's a nice boy. He's about loyalty and he's giving Milwaukee another chance. And that's not to say that he can't ask for a trade in the future. We're seeing that all around the league now. So it's not, this isn't the be all end all for the Raptors fans trying to get Giannis. Yeah. Th this is just going to be entering into a period of like long game, soft tampering, really like psychological manipulation <laughs> over the yeah. next three to four years. Uh, which I feel like Raptors fans are pretty much ready for. <laughs> um, they're always ready for it. I mean, after Giannis, they're already looking for their next target. So <laughs> Yeah, we, we'll get to that too. But first, Kelsey, I wanted to ask you if you feel like, because I've seen a couple people talking about this, and I'm not really sure how I feel about it, but do you feel like this is 
like actually kind of a big deal for small like small market franchises or is this just kind of an anomaly with Giannis and the Bucks? It's an anomaly. I mean, I don't but then again, I don't consider the Bucks to be a small market franchise anymore. Mm-hmm. Just because they have, you know, a back-to-back MVP. They have the high now the highest paid Supermax player of all time. They've they've been on the map for a lot longer than Bucks fans or other NBA fans would like to admit. So I think it's more about not necessarily the hometown team, but staying with the team that gave you the opportunity. You know, for Giannis, that's Milwaukee. For Fred, that was Toronto. So I don't think it's necessarily a market move, more as a team front office trust building exercise. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the only team who's kind of looking at this, the Yana situation in Milwaukee and being like, maybe that could be like us too, is the um, Pacers, who I just feel like have been in a kind of sad limbo for years now. (laughs) Um, But that's who I think of, I guess, when I think of like, quote, like smaller market teams. Mm -hmm. But, you know, unless you actually see extensions, NBA extensions into like actual small cities. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and the thing is, the Pacers aren't really doing anything to make themselves into a bigger market franchise. Mm-hmm. They are just kind of doing, you know, weird things and holding Miles Turner hostage. <laughs> but I mean, then you've got the big, like the biggest of the big market teams, um, like the Knicks, operating like a small market team for the last yeah. like six plus years. So I guess it just, yeah, to your point. It doesn't really matter anymore where our team is. It's no. kind of just like the talent that they've they've got, or in the Bucks case, like the talent that they've really worked hard to hang on to. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think you make a great point, like the loyalty thing. You know, Giannis, I don't think Giannis was ever gonna really I think maybe in the bubble, obviously he's like brushing shoulders and seeing guys like you know, a lot more closely and the way that their teams work than he would have in a normal season. So like, I do think there was probably interest in the Heat and and the Raptors. Like, I don't think that was false, but I also think he just seems like the kind of player who wants to finish something that he started, right? Like his work ethic really seems to be like, you know, you know what? Like I said, I was going to win a title in Milwaukee. We're kind of almost there. Like, let's just try and finish this. You know, he's not really yeah, like a- he's not he's not chasing a ring. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's not like a, he's not a fair weather ring chaser. <laughs> no. And that's fine. That's good. Yeah. I like that. It's great. It's a nice precedent to set. Um, well, good luck, Bucks. <laughs> you got a few <laughs> other things to figure out, I think. But you got your guy. <laughs> um. And then, okay, we can talk about a fair weather. This is a good this is a good transition to talk about a potentially fair weather. I don't even know if it's a ring he's after or just like if it changes on the day to day, but um James Harden, is James Harden gonna end up anywhere? No. <laughs> James point? Harden No. <laughs> I mean, when you have someone like A D try to force a trade from the Pelicans, they kind of their owners and stuff. They're a little more likely to do that and give up their cash cow and rebuild. Tillman Fertitta is not going to do that. That boy is pushing, like, pinching pennies 
And if the only thing that's generating you money is having James Harden, he is James Harden is going to die in the clutches of Tillman Fertetta, whether he likes it or not. It's true. The Rockets are his only viable asset at yeah. this point. <laughs> um, but this has just been very like, I don't know. I, I, I want to like the Rockets um, and I want to like James Harden. He he makes it really difficult. The Rockets like joyless system of basketball makes it also very difficult. I feel like they did my guy Russ kind of dirty, but I'm glad Russ is out. But I feel like this whole thing has been a really interesting exercise and in like, like just get getting the thing that's farthest from like what you manifest. So like James Harden <laughs> being like, I want to get off this team. I don't like Russell Westbrook. I'm putting that out there in the universe. And then in the weeks that follow, Russell Westbrook gets <laughs> sent to the Wizards. Uh, yeah, and, and James, James Harden, Harden is, is stuck still... on the team. <laughs> I mean, they got John Wall, which, like, mm -hmm. I'm happy John Wall gets another opportunity because I love him. I just, you know, it's like going from a shit sandwich to, like, Another shit sandwich going from Washington to Houston. I feel so. Sad. I'm happy he's out. I just yeah. hope it works out for him. I feel sad for John Wall only because he posted a, a picture of him, like I think driving, and he was like, H Town, what's up? But he looked so sad. Yeah, he did not want to know what was up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like his management, his management or his PR person was like, maybe you could do like a little post and just shout out Houston. <laughs> so you're not even getting the full, full word you're h-town mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but no you're right like i'm happy for i wish it could have worked out for wall and beal like i loved them together um but it just it seems like a fresh start is what john wall needed um mm -hmm. so i hope harden can get his act together for enough of a time to give john wall a chance to do that yeah, I mean, I understand being frustrated, but at the same time, you aren't really helping, you know, your own trade value when you're not showing up to camp or showing up and going out to, you know, hookah lounges afterwards. And it's just, it's not a good look for him, no matter how frustrated he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at this point, you're running out of superstars to yeah. appease him, you know, like you had... Chris Paul, you had Russell Westbrook, you now you got John Wall. Like, who else are you gonna try and get in 2021 when it inevitably, yeah, if the same thing happens with John Wall, if James Harden is like, no, I don't like him, it's not really working out <laughs> between us. Like, you know, typically things like that, they're they all tie back to one root cause <laughs> when it's yeah. three different people. And they all share and, one underlying factor, which is James Harden. And I mean, the Russell Westbrook-James Harden match kind of it worked out a lot better than I expected it to, mm -hmm. considering there is only one ball. But I think that, you know, basketball is a team sport and James Harden doesn't necessarily play that way. So there are very few teams that he can fit in. And a lot of those teams don't really have the assets to attain him especially to keep the current ownership happy. Mm -hmm. So I think he's, yeah, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. I have to say a friend of ours, um, a friend of ours, mutually Kelsey, and then also the podcast 
Well, Sean Woodley's going a little bit insane right now. Um, <laughs> he was texting me last night about, he was like, you got to talk me out of the James Harden to the Raptors. Like, is there any truth in this? I was like, no, dude, like, it's not going to happen. Like, they're not trading away Pascal to get Harden. And I was like, where are you seeing this? He's like, nowhere, nowhere. Just, I've just been thinking about it for oh, like no. six days straight. And he's like, talked himself into it. So Kelsey, put it to rest. Like, there's no I way. Don't, no, you're not going to sign Pascal to an extension. You're not going to give Fred this big contract, like the biggest undrafted contract in history. And you're not going to try everything to keep Kyle Lowry around when you're going to have someone come in and disrupt that system. You know, they've spent years getting this great two-way system with Pascal, OG, Fred, Kyle. They're not going to throw it away for someone who plays a very singular style of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Kawhi worked because both offensively and defensively, Kawhi fit the Raptor system because they had someone like DeMar DeRozan in it before, mm-hmm. who was like a Kawhi light, right? James Harden is not that. James Harden is not a plug and play basketball player. He's mm-hmm. not somewhere that you can fit into, someone that you can fit into any system of basketball. Mm-hmm. The Rockets have crafted this very specific game of basketball around him. And it's going to be hard to replicate that on any other team, mm-hmm. as we've seen when he's going through point guards like blonde, like underwear. <laughs> so no, Woodley, don't worry. This is James Harden is not coming to Toronto. There you have it, Sean. I mean, the the Kawhi thing that's like a good. It's a really good. I think if anyone's nervous, like that's a good point to go back to because the way Kawhi approaches basketball is like he is so singular about it like it's like a it's like sometimes to his detriment but it's like his singular focus but he can fit himself into a system that's set up to play that way but in that singularity he is weirdly still a generous player whereas James Harden is not is not yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's very not that there's a lot of things but a generous basketball player is not one of them but I will defend him in that I don't appreciate people trying to body shame no, <laughs> no. And people are like, I said the same thing. I said, you know, should we take a picture of you when you are miserable at your job in the middle of a pandemic? And they're like, well, we don't get paid millions of dollars to play basketball. It doesn't matter. I mean, no. he's obviously depressed. Leave him alone. And yeah. he still he can go out and he can, you know, down a bottle of tequila and drop 40 on you the next day. You can't do that at your job. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's the main thing. One, it's not like possible because then also you saw him like a few days later uh, where he like at that press conference where he was talking about being in LA, I mean, uh, Vegas and Atlanta versus at mm. practice. But when he's sitting at the table with his arms like purposefully up up on the table in front of him to show like how extremely jacked he is, like he's very yeah. in shape. Like I believe him when he says he was working out. Just like he was probably also going to the club in between working out. But like, as you said, he is the kind of person who can do that. We couldn't yeah. do that. <laughs> and I mean, he's been like perfecting his body for the last like 10 years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not something that he can just fall off and not get back on. Like he's very capable of getting back into perfect shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people underestimate how extremely difficult it would be for any NBA player, but especially a player at like the tier that James Harden's at, to get out of shape that quickly. Like, I don't think it's physically possible. 
Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, stop yeah. body shaming James Harden. Yeah, don't body shame him. Don't act like you've never had a photo taken of yourself from that, like, a terrible angle that's, like, half side, half back, just, like, the widest possible, like, perspective. We all have. Uh, or you're walking, you're making a stupid face, like, you're not, when you're not prepared. Everybody has gone through that, so don't pretend like you are taken, you know, picture perfect. Like Instagram worthy snaps every time no. you're taking. We don't all live with a filter on, so no. leave James Harden alone. Leave James Harden alone in that regard. But James Harden needs to leave. Well, Tillman Fertitta needs to leave the league alone. <laughs> yes. Just stop meddling. <laughs> Just, yeah. Stop meddling. Maybe get a financial advisor at this point um, and stop leveraging your basketball team as like a financial. Or sell asset. your team. Yeah. <laughs> Sell it. Yeah, you You know how you could stand to make some money? Sell the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, Woman, yeah. if you're listening, sell the team. Some great advice for you here on Dishes and Dimes. Um, yeah. But I guess who, someone who doesn't need financial advice uh, is Rudy Gobert, um, who just signed <laughs> <laughs> a huge deal. Other advice, not yeah. necessarily financial. I mean, financial, he could, but... like, Tillman might be hitting him up, so be careful, Rudy. But yeah. <laughs> $205 million over five years. Um and this is kind of interesting because it basically takes Rudy out of the equation. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. But let's say it does for the most part uh, in this commitment, but for next year's free agency. So do you feel like this is a trend that we're going to see continue? This kind of like free agency starting already? Or were the Jazz just like really looking to lock down, lock down Rudy? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think, Rudy Gobert has to know that he kind of hurt his stock, right? When he had the entire league shut down. When he stopped the NBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's got to know that while he is a very, very, very good basketball player, and there are teams that would like to lock him up, especially with the way that basketball is trending towards, you know, big, physically super teams, I don't think that it was necessarily the Jazz needing Rudy Gobert the way that Rudy Gobert kind of needed the jazz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a combination because I don't necessarily think that he would have got that money anywhere else. And I don't think that the jazz would have given that money to anyone else. So I think it just happened like the universe is aligned and it worked out for both of them. Yeah, I don't think a lot of players are kind of knocking down the Jazz's doors these days. No. <laughs> um, which is like, it. I mean, they didn't play terribly in the restart, um, but they're definitely short, like a few, like them and a lot of other teams are kind of lacking this one player. I mean, I am always just like, oh, it's Kyle Lowry, but like that kind of player who can basically are, yeah. fuse it all together. Um so whether this means they're going to, you know, invest in the pieces they've got already and then look to bring in somebody like that when they can. Um, but that's the thing, too. I mean, do do you want to go to a team where your two superstars are not happy with each other and you have done absolutely nothing to rectify the situation? Yeah. Yeah. I No. I, personally, me. No, I yeah. wouldn't. And I don't. If you know. wanted to sign Katie Jazz, sorry, but it's, it's I mean, not happening. 
the climate, the altitude, the Mormons, um, probably the just Mormon, yeah. not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but for other for another player, maybe. But that is a good point. They haven't really done anything to like reconcile the relationship between their two stars, which no. might be a little awkward when things get going. Yeah, for sure, especially now that Rudy has that massive contract. So Donovan Mitchell is on a four-year deal that had an extension that puts him, I guess, out of the 2020-2021 free agency market. But this is a little bit of a disparity, I think, between him and Gobert because I would argue Donovan Mitchell is kind of like the singular star. Yeah. When I think of the Jazz, like that's who I think of as like the main guy. Yeah, I, I don't really like Rudy Gobert is kind of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, this is this is not supposed to be a we all hate Rudy Gobert. No, it's podcast, we, but. yeah, we, we want to see Rudy, um, you know, come back from basically bringing the, inflicting the pandemic on the NBA. Um, but he'll always be tied to that in history. <laughs> but yeah, the, I guess like the bigger question from this that I think is a little bit interesting is whether like, is free agency, is this going to put teams into kind of a tizzy about like either extending their players who are going to be, be coming up in 2021's free agency? Because there are a lot of guys. It's going to be, a, I mean, now, I mean, Giannis is out of the equation, but there's still a lot of dudes that are going to be available. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think teams are going to be very incentivized to kind of, you know, test the waters. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try and lock things in because we do not know what the future is going to look like when this hellscape of a year and whatever the next season brings is over. We don't know what comes after that. Mm-hmm. So if you want, like, you know, a shot at winning, a shot at running it back, most teams I feel are probably just going to lock in their big players long term, especially now that, you know, Giannis has signed a Supermax and the list is kind of, there are, like you said, quite a few players, but the list is getting smaller. Mm -hmm. It's getting smaller, but there, I do have a sense. And I said this before we started recording when I, you just look at the available, the players that will be available that like signed to one year deals, a lot of Mm -hmm. them this, this year that are going to be back again, uh, available in this coming free agency. It already makes me feel a little bit motion sick because I think I just, kind of got a handle on where everybody went to (laughs) and like what that like really frantic condensed um, free agency looked like with that. Like a lot of people moved around, but it's a lot of players. You're you're like, you're going to watch and be like, Oh yeah, I forgot (laughs) that he got traded there. Um, But that's going to be, there's going to be way more of the same uh, in this coming free agency. Yeah. I mean, you can find all of those off season moves on the basketballnews.com. Uh, mm-hmm. free agency off-season tracker, but it's okay. very hard to keep up with. And especially now, because it was such a shortened off-season, we've got all of these players that were on a team and have been waived since last night. And it's just, it's kind of a mess. But like you said, there's so many one-year contracts. So, I mean, my Montrez Harrell to Toronto dream is still alive. That's true. Because he's only signed a year with the Lakers. But yeah, there's so many pieces available next year. Mm-hmm. It's just we don't know what teams are going to do with them or what players are going to do. I mean, the 
On Tres to Toronto, Dream is Alive. So is the Serge Ibaka back to Toronto. So is the yeah, Kawhi true. Leonard back to Toronto. Uh, maybe the two of them. They just they get sick of the LA lifestyle and a team that doesn't work because they don't have Kyle Lowry, so they come on back. Um, PJ Tucker back to the Raptors. Oh, PJ Tucker to Toronto. That's another dream, yeah. A lot of dreams are alive. They all just happen to have guys coming back to the Raptors. But that's like, these are just our dreams. So you got your own Yeah, dreams. you guys feel free to have your own. <laughs> these are just our personal ones. These are our own dreams. Leave us alone. <laughs> but I like what you touched on it, but this kind of preseason, like two days before the season starts waving of players. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of, we were chatting be- before we started. If everyone doesn't know, Kelsey's our very own, I'm not even going to say Woj because Kelsey's her own. She's dropping her own <laughs> style of bombs. There's an O'Brien bomb. Um, but she she announced that Paul Watson Jr. like signed his first NBA contract, full NBA contract with the Raptors. Uh, that came from Kelsey. So, But we were talking about what it means then for the guys that get waived and how that sort of makes us feel both as fans and then also as just like media who cover these teams. I think it's difficult sometimes to reconcile reconcile your fandom and then the feelings about it at the end of the day just being a business, especially with like the Raptors waving O'Shea, you know, like he's injured. That sucks. He basically got waved because he's injured. And it, it doesn't mean that he's like, you know, Paul Watson Jr. is like his own type of very good player, but so is O'Shea. So it just kind of comes down to it that there's like not enough room for all these guys. And I think sometimes it is difficult um, to still be a fan. And also like, just think of like the well-being of all these guys that just get dropped like days before the season starts. Like Ronnie Hellas Jefferson got waved. I feel oh, bad gosh, for that yeah. guy. Like he was like, I'm ready to play now in Minnesota. And now he's just like, okay, on to the next thing. Like, I do think there's a kind of a built in resiliency with a lot of players at that level because they just, it's an expectation. They know it can happen, but it doesn't make it any easier. No, it doesn't. And I'm, I mean, especially O'Shea, like Raptors fans, if you didn't watch the 905, didn't really get to see a lot of O'Shea, but he is a solid, he is probably the greatest teammate you could ask for. He is just so wonderful, you know, in the locker room, in practice, shoot around, and in the game. He is a great, quick player. And it was not by no fault of his own that he got squeezed out of the rotation when he had to leave the bubble for knee surgery. So those are the kind of things that just suck to see because how great would a story it have been, you know, a hometown kid playing for his team professionally. I mean, he got... He did get a they did let his contract guarantee before waiving him. Mm-hmm. So he does get um $300,000, but at the same time, okay, it's kind of like a thank you payment and he is kind of without a job right now and like when players that have made tons of money over their careers don't find a team immediately, they'll be okay. But what do you think about guys who have been in the league for five minutes and haven't really had that opportunity to make that kind of money that they can be financially stable when when it's over? It's kind of sad to see. I mean, O'Shea was on a two-way contract last year, and the way two-way contracts worked last year was that they were prorated for the number of days you spent with the NBA team. This year, 
there are, um, I think, $470,000 for two ways, just because we don't know what's going to go on in the bubble. So he didn't even get a chance to, you know, be on the two-way and get money that way. He kind of just got, like, this thank you payment and be on your way. So it's it's sad when you realize, you know, you get to know these guys, and then at the end of the day, it really is just a business. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, same with, you know, we can't go a podcast without me talking about Justin Anderson. But he had signed, you know, a training camp, camp contract with Philadelphia. And I thought, you know, Philadelphia could really use Justin. A lot of teams could use Justin Anderson, but Philly could really use him. And he had the hearts of Philly fans from playing there previously. And then he was waived last night along with Frank Mason the third. So that's two G League guys mm-hmm. whose dreams are kind of up in the air again. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's hard to see because when you see the amount of work that they put in behind the scenes and just this dream crushing every couple months, it's it weighs on my spirit. So I can't imagine how it would weigh on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like something people don't think of is what you said, like <clears throat> guys like Rondé or guys kind of at that level that bounce around from team to team. Are there is a certain notoriety built into their careers and just like, you know, other teams know their names. They'll probably get picked up, um, whether that's like immediately or like midseason. Like they're still, they're not, you know, they don't have to do too much to sell themselves. But players who are coming from the G League um, or other situations like that, that just haven't like don't have the optics behind them. They are nest- they're like in some cases, I think a lot of those players play better because they're so hungry for it. Like maybe they don't have the <clears throat> polish and the like the NBA experience, but there's like a certain grit and like determination that is baked into their everyday and the thing that they have to do. Like, you know this, Kelsey, but it's just like the grind of like the G League. It's such a different strain. And like it's such a different like built-in resiliency that these guys have because it's like it's not just dusting yourself off after a season that kind of maybe didn't go the way you wanted it to, like a like a NBA player has to do. It's like dusting yourself off like that sometimes every few weeks, every couple of months, just to be like, all right, like do I still want to do this? Yes. Like constantly kind of buying in to that dream, right? And like to to keep that sort of hope alive. And I think people don't necessarily realize that. It isn't like a talent thing, you know, it's like there's so many talented players who are just like never gonna get a shot because they never got that first shot. So exactly. Yeah. yeah, it is entirely situational sometimes. I mean, the Raptors out of five had so many guards last year mm-hmm. and they were all so talented, but they just had too many of them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them didn't get the opportunity to kind of showcase what they can do. And mm-hmm. if you miss that, it's a very, very small window in the G League to show what you can do and get picked up by a team. And if you miss that opportunity or it's not given to you, then you have to kind of evaluate what's next for you, not just for what team you're going to go to, like the NBA, but what you're going to do with your life to survive. Mm-hmm. It's completely different than the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like the logistics, like the plan. Like it's just, it's not, none of it is easy. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. players who come out of that situation just inevitably want it more because they've been wanting it for so long. So I think that's like a very heartbreaking part of the business of basketball and like don't please do not 
at us and be like, it's a business. Like we obviously, we know that. Like we know, yeah. we, we, we cover it. We understand that. Like at the end of the day, it is a business, but there are very stark reminders of that, that sometimes just like hit you in the gut in like a really different way that you were not anticipating. And I feel like it is important as like fans and as people in the media to you like feel those things. Cause like, you don't want to just become like some heart, like, you know, heartless, like caught up in the machinery and the mechanics of the the league. Like part of what makes basketball for me at least and I like so amazing and captivating is like the joy like the joyfulness of it. Yeah. And yeah. And like the feelings of it, obviously. And it's just these people are still humans and they still have a life outside of what you see on the court. Like O'Shea getting cut, he just had a baby in the summer. So that kind of puts him in a situation where it's like, okay, I'm out of a job and I have a daughter to raise. And I don't have the money that the NBA players can have to do that. And I was speaking with a friend of the pod, Dwayne Notice, about, you know, even just rehabbing an injury without a basketball injury, without the um, basketball money and how difficult that is. And these are things that you don't really think about. So it's the same with O'Shea. I mean, he's not going to have the same benefits he had when he was a Raptor to continue to work on the knee that was giving him trouble. Mm-hmm. And for every, I mean, Paul Watson is a I, Cinderella story. He was, you yeah. know, three years in the G league before he got a shot. And for every Paul Watson, there's a hundred that aren't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of, you have to like much like, uh, you know, guys in that position, I feel like sometimes as an NBA fan, you have to recommit and like re sort of buy into it. And I think it's, it's cool and important to also take a break from it sometimes and to be like, I'm going to just like think, really think about this and let it hit me in my feelings. We have, obviously. Yeah, but- <laughs> it's what we do all day. Yeah, it is what we do all day. <laughs> <laughs> that was our feelings minute, basically. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I think it was important. But, you know, if uh, I guess we do sort of have a responsibility to look ahead to the season starting because it does start, as we said, in two days, which is super weird. But it's happening. It's here. (laughs) Um, So, Kelsey, I wanted to ask you if you, you know, from the preseason coverage that you watched so far, who you think looks good, who doesn't look so good, and who have you not even paid attention to yet? (laughs) So... Who I'm, there's a lot that changed this summer that kind of like, you know, shifted the tides a little bit. Like the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be very fun to watch this season because they're massive and they're fast and they're young. And then the Oklahoma City Thunder, I will die on the hill that they didn't need to blow it up this season. They could have run it back with success behind, you know, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then there's teams that you kind of forget about. And then you go, wow, those teams are going to like dominate this year. Like Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's about all the pretty pieces yeah. I've watched. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I'm stoked to see the Grizzlies play. They're like super young and then they've got Stanford. <laughs> Uh, obviously a big a big personal fave of mine but I think like the juxtaposition (laughs) of him as a coach of that team I'm just like super stoked to see that Um, and they're just like 
Oh, the, did I say the the Pelicans? Maybe I said the Pelicans. I'm thinking of the Pelicans and the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are my other very fun, energetic, like super young, just like, yeah. yeah, young and like kind of kinetic team. Um, a little bit more, they're, I feel like a little bit more ready because they've, they were essentially just like, you know, wound it up a little tighter since they were last season. Whereas the Pelicans may be this kind of fun and really freewheeling, like, what are we even doing? We're so big and we're so fast and we're so strong and we're just going to like dunk and run around and like they're going to be a little bit loose, I think, for the beginning of the season. But that's obviously super fun to watch. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you about OKC. That team... To me, that team was just a, like a, a maybe a season, season and a half away from doing from being where the Suns are, which is where Chris Paul went, and he'll do fantastic there, I think. And like that team is going to also be so much more fun to watch. Like he'll be yelling at Devin Booker to basically get it together, which is what's I think needed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> the Suns will be good. Like there's a lot of like that level team. Like I'm stoked to see the Blazers, um, the Nets. Obviously, like I think. I'm just like, the, I'm so curious about how the coachless experiment is going to work. You know, I'm a fan of Kyrie. I'm a fan of KD. I love Jared Allen. Uh, I hope he still gets meaningful minutes <laughs> with like whatever this new kind of roster looks like. But I'm mm-hmm. very excited to see those teams. I'm less excited to see the Clippers, to see the Lakers. Like, you know, the teams that's like, yeah, like we know they'll be good. The Celtics, like um, kind of excited to see the Sixers. But I'm I'm less excited to see like those quote like contenders, you know, that that we know are going to be like really good again this year. But I'm I'm very excited to see these kind of outlier teams. Yeah, the outlier teams standings that made these very strange roster moves and Mm -hmm. are not the same teams that they were last season or from like you know the last decade really. Like if you look at Mm -hmm. the Suns Mm -hmm. and they got Chris Paul, and you you think back and you go, wow. Ever since Steve Nash, they've needed Chris Paul. So they kind of, maybe it took them a while, but they found their missing piece. So they'll be fun to watch too. All these young guys, I'm just really excited to watch all these young teams. You know, a lot of them are stuck in situations that they're fun to watch, but it's not going anywhere like the Bulls. I'm very excited to watch Patrick Williams and um, Kobe White together. The Bulls. Oh, yeah. That's just like a team that's been stuck in the same sad, like, purgatory of, like, this young, a promising, like, young core. But it's like they've been there for, like, three, four years And you forget about them. I mean, how do you forget about the most iconic franchise in basketball history? And they've managed to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the Warriors to be likable again. Uh, I really like turned toward them in a way I did not anticipate. I mean, I was excited before Clay. Like Clay to me was just like having the sum the like first the the kind of like time off and then the summer of his life. Then he got hurt, which was just like the most one of the most brutal things that's happened. Um, but still with Clay being out, I think the Warriors are looking likable again like a team you kind of want to believe in and it feels weird that people forget about Steph Curry but they have I have but he's still there (laughs) like one of the best players in the league um I love that Kelly Oubre Jr. is on that team now I think he's gonna do extremely well there so yeah like I'm I'm more excited to watch like these kinds of 
these kinds of stories, like these kinds of teams and see what they yeah, can Yeah, just do. developing, yeah. not teams that are already just kind of, you know, waiting, coasting to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because of like the bubble and like this short, shortened off season and how weird this season still might be, but it feels like a little bit of a state. Not to say that all these teams are in a rebuild phase because a lot of them are not. They're ready to compete. But it feels almost like a stasis season to me. Like it Mm. feels like we're still waiting. We're waiting to get back on the regular schedule. Um, We're waiting for like the, you know, the world is very irregular right now, obviously. But a part of that makes it feel like this is just like kind of a season to mess around and have fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a season of like, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And a season of kind of, trying to climb up the ranks, but not necessarily break through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my official analysis. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to go on the record. This is a season Officially, to mess around and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is a season of just like discovering things. Yeah. <laughs> the season of self-discovery as led by um, Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets, I feel like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's also going to be a season of gigantic basketball which is an interesting thing um, that I did write about for Basketball News, but that we saw in this previous like free agency, this like clamoring for big men, like not even versatile big men, but like some very traditional Just existing. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, the first signing of free agency was which one was it, Miles or Mason Plumley? Yeah, one of the Plumleys, which is never, which is always a c- confusing sign for me. It's like <laughs> you lined up the night before black friday and you bought a toaster like that's that's how i feel about making not even a the best your one. first season no yeah <laughs> not even the best one just the first one you saw yeah <laughs> like this is what you camped out for this two, two slicer yeah a two slicer i was gonna say not even a four slicer no bagel setting just like your simple two slicer <laughs> yeah <laughs> no crumb catcher no just just the plumly two slice <laughs> You've got your plumly too. <laughs> it's just, on the yeah, everyone oh, just hoarding, <laughs> hoarding big men. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of just like, all right, this is interesting because I think we've heard so much about, you know, this, the next iteration of the NBA being like a positionless, like fluid, like, you know, kind of mo- new model of player that we see in like an OG Ananobi or like a Bam Adebayo or like, I guess, an Anthony Davis too, where you've got, They've got size and versatility, but they're also super athletic. Their playmaking is up there. But, you know, there's obviously less of that type of player existing because it takes such a specific skill set. So I think that was always going to take a little while longer. But it just now seems like the needle has moved completely away from that idea even or aspiration. And it's just like, let's get jacked. (laughs) Yeah, let's just get swole. First team all swole. And it's like, okay, you can hoard all these big men that you want, but you're not going to turn a Plumley into a Devon Four Booker. slice. Yeah, you are not going to turn that two slicer into a four slicer. So, I mean, it's great to have them all for trade assets, but, you know, I don't know what the return policy is. I mean, I guess if they're just on a year, it's fairly safe, but... I mean, I noticed this um, with some of the Raptors. Well, mostly just when the Raptors played the Heat. Um, and I did see a couple of people talking about this was just like, oh, the Raptors look small. And the Heat are not even a particularly big team. So I guess I wonder if this is going to be an issue for teams that aren't even 
like like the Raptors who who I guess sort of half replaced the size that they lost in the offseason, but I think of also teams like the Rockets who are just like miniature basically in this new landscape yeah fine size you know they're like kind of the key like there's a lot of teams that are just like not hulking so i wonder if that's going to be if there's going to be a huge kind of discrepancy in matchups i don't think it's going to be as evident or as obvious as a lot of people think it's going to be just because you can have all these big men but that doesn't mean they can move Mm mm-hmm and if you have a team full of tiny little quick boys, <laughs> then they're going to be able to cut and pass and do everything a lot quicker than a team full of seven foot, 250 pound guys are going to do. Tiny little quick boys. Yeah, tiny little quick boys. <laughs> I, I hope Whatever so. team wants that nickname, feel free to use it. <laughs> I think the first team that's like, Huge and also fast, which is probably going to be like the Pelicans, you know? Yes. And that's going to be fun to watch because they're not all huge and fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just two very huge and very fast players and then a bunch of other ones. It's like their defense will just be Zion and Steven Adams holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> and Steven Adams isn't even that fast anymore. Bless his heart. No, but he doesn't have to be. No. Z- uh, Zion will just pull him. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He doesn't need to be. Um, but we'll see. I don't know if it's going to be like, like what is that tiny Gulliver's Travels, the Lilliputtons? <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to be like a Lilliputton adventure in the NBA this year, but we'll see like what the landscape starts to shake out and look like. And I'm also curious like what it means for next. Uh, we're talking so much about next offseason, but I feel like it's fair. But like what that means is like are all these two-slice – <laughs> two sliced toasters gonna go back on the market um yeah or are they and then is it like gonna be like all right you know what we're oversized and we're gonna be into the next like maybe the it maybe it is the pelicans that set the trend maybe it's like we not we need a lot of extremely speedy and strong dudes of which there's yeah and even for the draft league, so <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, are we going to draft two slicers? Are we going to draft, like, a convection oven? I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. What do you think is the, like, uh, appliance equivalent of the, like, positionless, versatile player that we're talking about? Would it be, like, an Instapot? Probably an air fryer. An air, yeah, that's, yes, yes, absolutely. I never felt anything so immediately and so deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's only a few air fryers in the league. But. There are. Yeah, and it's like people are kind of unsure of them. They're like, where do I get them? How do I use them? How does this even work? Yeah, and then you put chicken wings in there and it changes your life. It does change your life like an OG, <laughs> like an OG and an OB, uh, Yeah, will. OG and an air fryer. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair <laughs> ending <laughs> for the episode. Um <laughs> I think we've like, I don't know, we've covered, we've covered a lot of ground, past ground, current ground, future ground, appliance ground. We yeah. really have you covered. <laughs> um, Kelsey, is there anything that you want to plug? Um, no, just check out basketballnews.com. And uh, Katie's writing there. I'm writing there. Co-host Yasmin's writing there. We've got a lot of former players, a lot of notable writers. So come check our stuff out. Yeah, I'm going to second that um, just based on, you know, what we know is coming up, just like what we've had some internal 
done a little meetings about. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a very exciting season at Basketball News. It's going to be Basketball News' season to shine fully. So please check out the site. A lot of good stuff's going down there. Um, And thank you, as always, for joining us. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, guys. And we will see you when the season starts. When the season starts. In two days. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye.